Welcome back to Desire Made Real, a Discovery of Witches podcast where we recap every episode of the television show spoiler-free. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and when I am not watching a vampire show about Matthew and Diana, I'm probably watching a different vampire show somewhere on TV somehow. And I'm Caitlin, and when I'm not talking about a Discovery of Witches, currently I'm setting up a brand new office in my house, finally, after almost a year of working from home. Because I'm nothing if not a procrastinator. But how exciting to have a new office space. Yay. It's true. It's true. (laughs) All right. So each week here, we'll recap the episode spoiler free. We'll also include a segment at the end to discuss the books, how well the adaptation works. And we will likely dive into some spoilers here. But don't worry. We'll give you plenty of warning before we get there. Episode four was written by Pete McTie and directed by Philippa Langdale. Quick corrections corner before we get into things here. Um, last week, we talked about Mama Satu. Somebody mm-hmm. on Twitter pointed out that that is Grandmama Satu. Oh, well, then I named our episode incorrectly because I called it Not Sophie and Mama Satu. Oh, well, it is what it is. Um, which, when they pointed it out, Satu actually spoke last season about how her grandmother taught her everything and when they, I was like oh yeah I remember that now and um, she apparently calls her I'm going to assume the finished word for grandma in that okay. scene all right well thank you for correcting us yes um, and the other thing and this was one that I meant to include with my corrections last week and it's just another one of those things that I've noticed now that I read the book I talked a lot about why is Diana wearing this dress with the fleur-de-lis all over it when she meets the queen and that dress is almost Exactly, as Deborah Harkness described it in the book. Flirtily well, and reason. all. <laughs> so that's why the costume department made that choice. Why Deborah Harkness made that choice, I don't know. But I appreciate them making that dress so specifically accurate to how it was described mm-hmm. in the book. All right. Great. And that was all my corrections for this week. Well, hopefully we won't have corrections next week, but this is becoming a theme. <laughs> yep. But I'm, you know what? I am glad that our listeners like to tell us these things. Oh, yeah. I, I want to get them right. Like, I don't want to leave them just wrong forever. Like, I like that we have the opportunity to, you know, come back in here and say, hey, we goofed. Yeah, absolutely. And we jump right into the episode with a rather long previously on. It was a minute and a half. Yeah. And it had some things in there that I don't understand why they were in there. Because, I mean, I get, so we get the Book of Life. Summoned to France, Kit hates Diana. That all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a bit about Domenico and blood rain, blood rage, and he's examining the body. And like, there's nothing in the future in this episode or in the present day in this episode. So why is that in the previously on? I can tell you why, but it's a spoiler. But but it shouldn't be a spoiler for this episode. No, if it's in this episode's previously on. I absolutely agree. But I I think just from I just, I feel like I understand what they were trying to do there, but... Okay. Well, I guess we can talk about that later, but yeah, I don't think it should have been there. But it was there, and we are reminded, of course, that Matthew has never mated before he met Diana, and that Isabeau has accepted Diana, and we had a minute and a half for them to tell us these things. The recaps are a lot, I feel. I mean, I guess we've talked about how not everybody is us and has, you know, rewatched mm-hmm. season one more than one time but still i'm i'm just like i think i think we would get it you know Mm -hmm. 
Like, I don't think we needed all of these things before we watched this episode. Yeah. I, it, it did seem a lot, and it felt like it went on forever, like a minute and a half. And presumably, if it's airing on television, that's a minute and a half of their time slot. That's huge. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was taking notes and I was just like, okay, the book of life summoned to France. Oh, that's going to be it. And then I was like, no, Kit hates Diana. Okay, that makes sense. And then I was like, Dominican, what? Mm -hmm. And then it just kept going and going and going. But now we're eating up into our time. And I don't think we need to keep talking about the previously on. I mean, we don't have a time slot. We can talk as much as we want. But yes. That's true. We do then jump to the boat landing in on a beach. I assume. In France. France. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And we do get one of the best lines in the episode in this scene. From uh, Galloglass? From Galloglass, absolutely. Because Galloglass, of course, we've already learned, won't go into France because his father died there. And so he's going to go ahead to Bohemia, to Emperor Rudolph's court or whatever. And Galloglass says, just follow the trail of vanquished enemies and satisfied women. That's pretty good. That is pretty great. And I... I, I, I get it. <laughs> I can see Gallo Glass leaving behind a trail of satisfied women. Absolutely. And vanquished enemies? I mean, I guess if you're satisfying all the women, you're going to be making some enemies along the way. Probably. And hopefully he would vanquish them. Yeah. Although he didn't manage to sneak up, sneak up on Matthew, so who knows? I will say that I think in that same conversation, Gallo Glass gives Diana a warning to not lose Matthew at Septer, uh-huh. you know, and to, and I think that line makes absolutely no sense, but somebody has a uh-huh. similar line later, so I'm going to get into how much I hate it later, yeah. so I can talk about I, both I, lines. I noted it later as well, so it's interesting. I think we talked about it a little bit last episode, too, yes. in the spoiler section, but it's definitely an odd note. I will say when the, the de Clermont men show up to escort them, I love that it Seems like Philippe only collects black horses. He, he has to make sure his horses match. <laughs> I don't think I even noticed that. Although I, I did notice that there were a lot of shots of just horses running across the screen in this episode. Which is fine. It looks pretty. Yeah, but you're right. They are all black. They're all black. And one thing I really liked actually is on their, not on the saddle, but the bit that I know nothing about horses, the bit that goes underneath the saddle, whatever. There was the de Clermont uh, symbol, the Ouroboros, and I did like that. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's cool. Oh, my other line, like you said about them uh, galloping away across the beach there, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, to be a stunt double (laughs) galloping across a beach, looking pretty, makes no sense that they're going in that direction, but whatever. But they had to make it look pretty for those of us watching. Yeah, it was a great scene. And then we pop into our opening credits, and when we come out, we are in London, not France. And here we have the one time that I 100% understand Christopher Marlowe, because I, too, find mornings most objectionable. <laughs> All I wrote down here is that Kit is drunk and depressed. <laughs> No, best line in the show. You know by now I find mornings most objectionable. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair. Mornings are objectionable. Although, again, I do think I sort of figured out why I dislike Kit so much in this scene, and it's because he's so pathetic. He's so mopey. Yeah, like if he were kind of evil and off kilter, I'd like him a lot more. But in the show, he's just, he's just blah. 
Yeah. Not, maybe not bleh. He's just. <sighs> pathetic. Pitiful. Yeah, pathetic and pitiful. And I'm like. Huh. And it doesn't get, they try to make it better this episode, but they don't do a very good job. Louisa, who we meet here also, I love. She's great. Please give me more evil women who are not pitiful. They're just like, all right, let's kill people. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah. Except she keeps getting called a whore the first time by Kit in this scene. He gets kicked out of the bar and sees what appear to be a man and a woman in like the throes of passion on the street. And he's like, hey, it's daylight. Take your whore somewhere else. Y'all shouldn't be doing this out here. And then we see it's Louisa. Matthew's sister, draining the blood out of this man in broad daylight on the street. I I like that introduction because it really shows how she is different from all the other vampires we've met so far because she does not care. She has no inhibitions whatsoever. Yeah. And not really any sense of self-preservation, it seems. Like, she doesn't care if she reveals herself to other people. I mean, that's, that's, um, uh, what's the word? That works for what we know about Louisa. For how she okay, so, dies and stuff. So remind me, what do we know about Louisa at this point? Okay, in the show, nothing. Yes, just in the show, nothing. Okay. <laughs> all right. So but, in the show, all we know is that Matthew has a sister named Louisa. I guess technically, I think in, in season one, Isabel mentioned that she liked to dance. Okay. Yes, she did. I remember that now. Okay. And now Louisa is here. And then they move into the bar and they're chatting. And this is unimportant other than... Louise learns how pathetic Kit is, but also she, she says the word melancholy in the best way I've ever heard it. There's absolutely no way I can replicate it, and I don't know if it's just maybe that's how people with melancholy, or <laughs> with melancholy, haha, uh, how people with an English accent say that, and I've just never heard them say that word before. I don't know. It's so good, though. But I'm just in time to save you from melancholy. Melancholy. Um, the other great thing about this scene is that it does actually become textual that Kit loves Matthew because yes. she calls him on it. This is true. Like, your heart is broken. It's still beating, but it's broken. Does Matthew know? This is a good point because I forgot that it was not textual yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not textual at all. And now she just, like, absolutely calls him on it. And then she's like, I'll make you feel better. And she kind of tries to seduce him a little bit. I guess. Well, no, they're not literally siblings because i was gonna say maybe if he squints she kind of looks like matthew but they're not related in that way (laughs) no no they're not (laughs) that's funny though that would just make him even more pathetic yeah i mean he does turn her down like he agrees to want to have fun with her but like doesn't kiss on her or anything like that yeah um so then we go back to the road we had a tiny bit on the road with diana and matthew before where we were reminded that isabeau won't be at sator because she is out hunting witches which i think they remind us of that because it's going to be important in the future yeah well maybe and then we talk french politics and philippe's place in those politics and it's all boring blah 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 (laughs) i I kind of agree with you about that, I guess, but it's, it's, I feel like they're doing this thing in this episode, and it comes to sort of a head later, where they're trying to ramp up tension for the journey. They're like, Mm -hmm. it's dangerous to be on the road, but nothing ever comes of it, so there's no point to ramping up this tension. Yeah, they talk repeatedly about how hard this journey is, Mm -hmm. and all we see is them just riding horses. I'm sure that's not great for humans or witches. Like, right. I'm sure it's I mean, I, I understand that, like, she's not getting 
sleep, it's it's a hard journey. And I think that this journey actually took weeks, if not months, and they aren't clear about the passage of time here. And, and so it just doesn't seem as bad as they're trying to make it. And I wonder if that's why they're trying to ramp it up to just make us feel like this is a struggle. I was more thinking about the, the war going on in France. They keep bringing that up. And later on, you know, they see that burning villa. They keep talking about how there's dangers on the road as though we're supposed to feel like maybe something's going to happen, but then nothing does. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? Why are we focused on this? Just move it along. Maybe just to get some historical reference in about what's happening during this time in France. Yes. I mean, because that is one thing that, you know, Deborah Harkness did when writing her books as a historian. She wrote the time period. You know, she factored in all of the politics and intrigue and all of those things. So maybe that's why they're just trying to keep some of those in. Perhaps. I don't know. It just felt like they were setting something up and then nothing happened. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think there are a lot of things that could have been taken out of this episode to give us more time with things that matter. Mm -hmm. Like more time with Philippe. Yeah, I agree. Trying to get to know Diana, maybe. That'd be great. I will say there is, in the scene where Matthew's giving the brief sort of history lesson, he does mention that Philippe doesn't really take a side. Philippe just wants to keep France from being torn apart. Mm -hmm. And I feel like on during the journey we get so many warnings about Philippe and everybody's telling Diana to be careful around him so it's nice to get this one thing or like oh maybe Philippe's a good guy and he wants good things for people yeah well because in this moment as well Diana says that she agrees with Philippe that Mm -hmm. he's doing the right thing for the future of France which is I guess a nice beat leading up to finally meeting him I guess and then we go back to London to a very drunk kit and Louisa's acting drunk. Not sure how or why at this point because she's a vampire. But they are drunkenly playing target practice. So if you had asked me before this episode if guns had been invented in the 1590s, I would have 100% said no. No way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when this started, I was like, oh? So apparently I just have absolutely no idea about anything to do with guns. Who knows? Um, guns were invented in the 10th century. Like, like handguns? Um, no, those would have been Chinese fire lances. Cannons appeared in Italy around 1320. Right. And then the matchlock gun appears in the 1400s. That's wild. So they are definitely much earlier than we would expect them to be. I, w- I was very shocked at the beginning of this scene. I don't remember <laughs> there being any guns in the book. Maybe I'm blocking that out i don't know i whatever well i mean this scene for sure didn't happen in the book this is all brand new yeah um i think just to give us an introduction to louisa earlier in the story which i do like because she came out of fucking nowhere in the book yeah she did absolutely i i prefer the storyline yes um and i like getting to see kit and louisa together and at this point obviously we have no idea what's going to happen other than louisa knows about diana And it's trying to help Kit kind of repair his broken heart because of Matthew. And so they're just out, you know, having a drunken, I would say boys night, but, you know, Louise is a girl. Just having a drunken night of debauchery. I do like, you know, shooting practice in the middle of a populated city. That seems like a great time and like nothing (laughs) will go wrong ever. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) Somebody does come complain. Apparently there's a curfew. And so, like, they're not even really yelled at for shooting. They're yelled at for making noise and breaking curfew. <laughs> and then, of course, this dude calls Louisa a whore and she can't have that. So she kills him. 
So this, I wish they hadn't done that because I feel like, or just like gone with a different instigator than the word whore because I don't know. I just feel like we don't need to add to the stigma around sex workers anymore. Like we, we can mm-hmm. stop that. And Louisa yeah. definitely wanted to shoot someone. So he could have just said stop and she could have said no. And then she could have shot him. You know, like I would have bought right? that. I would have too. Absolutely. So I kind of wish they just left that bit out. But whatever. Whatever. It was a good scene. And I like the actress doing Louisa. Yeah. she's She plays Louisa as a character I'm probably really going to hate. I don't know enough about her yet to know for sure that I'm going to hate her, but she doesn't seem like a good person, particularly because she's getting along so well with Kit, who we already know is not a good person. Yeah. Okay, back to France. It's raining, and Diana does not want to get up. Another person who finds mornings objectionable. Right? (laughs) I mean, I would find it objectionable, too. I wouldn't want to get up. This is a miserable journey. You know, it's raining. She's having to ride side saddle because of her stupid dress. Which is awful. When she says, give me one more minute to sleep, and then Matthew's like, yeah, you need more time, but then does not shut up. I would have punched him. (laughs) Like, actually, just give me one more minute. Stop talking. Yep. And then, I mean, we find out she really needed that sleep because then she does get up. She's riding on the horse and then she just passes out and falls off the horse. I feel like all the stuff with Diana having this journey be difficult for her is all about how tired she is. But like they are Mm -hmm. fully in the pouring rain there. She would be freezing her butt off. Yes. And then... You know, he holds her to because she's passed out at this point, and there's no way. Like, he's cold. He's not warming her up with body heat. I know. So. And, like, her hair would be soaking wet, and once that happens, you're cold forever. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Uh, it's, what, November in the pouring rain? No. I'm sorry. She, she is hypothermia. I've decided. <laughs> so then they finally make camp. Um, Pierre. We have his name now. I don't think we got his name before this episode, but it's Pierre. Um, We did talk about that in the corrections last week. Yeah. Uh, But they just hadn't, he hadn't really had speaking lines before this episode, I don't think. I don't really remember any. It could be that we are just really bad with names because we are really bad with names, Mandy. That's true. (laughs) That's true. But... It's Pierre. Yeah. (laughs) So he's trying to be kind to Diana and all of that stuff. And he warns her about Philippe again since that's coming up. And Diana just is not having it. And she lashes out at him. And I was watching it and I was like, I don't really understand why she's getting so upset with him. But us talking about how miserable the journey is kind of makes me understand she was miserable. And so, of course, she's going to be grumpy. Oh, yeah. Diana's reaction, I get 100%. She's grumpy at everyone. Yeah, I would be grumpy, too, in this situation. But why is everyone warning her about Philippe? People like Philippe. (laughs) They're warning her about Philippe, and they're telling... So this is the second time in this episode that someone has told Diana that Matthew is going to need her at Sator to keep him grounded and steady and not to lose Matthew. And, And Philippe says, no one can hide the truth from Philippe. No, sorry, Pierre says no one can hide the truth from Philippe. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, did Matthew sit Pierre down and tell him everything? Because I have my doubts about that. And what? And then Pierre says that she has to be Matthew's guiding light. How does he know this? How does he know that Matthew's going to be... That... <laughs> right. <laughs> like, 
does so we okay because we talked about this on a previous episode I'm going to talk about it now it was in the spoiler section before but whatever so we talked about one of the differences between the show and the book is that in the book Matthew immediately told everybody that they were from the future like Francois knew Pierre knew Gallo Glass knew they all knew we did not see that happen in the show they told Kit um Henry and Walter but we didn't see them tell anybody else but they're acting particularly with both Pierre and Gallo Glass giving Diana these warnings it feels like they know even if we could surmise that they did tell them off screen which sure fine whatever I don't think they would have told them that you know Philippe's dead in the future and that's why like why even if they know Matthew and Diana have come from the future why would they be so worried? Because it's still yeah, that's a it's fair still point. Matthew because they it, they still wouldn't know all of the things that we know. Yeah, so it just doesn't make any sense to me that everyone is like, "You need to be there for Matthew. You need to be there for Matthew. It's going to be so hard for him." How do you know that? Like you're right, but how do you know that? Yeah, I think they're just trying to keep it in our minds that this is going to be difficult for Matthew. Yes, and so totally. They're trying 100%. to find ways to remind us. But it's, it's, it is frustrating. And I just feel like it does sort of the opposite effect, or not the opposite effect, but it, it makes the people watching it go into this with this really poor opinion of Philippe, where even if, because if everybody is saying that this is going to be difficult for Matthew, thinking that it is just, you know, thinking that there isn't an, another problem, that he's just going to go say hi, you know, I have a witch wife now. <laughs> And everybody's like, this is going to go bad. Then it just gives me a really poor opinion of Philippe going into it. Yeah. I think we're supposed to have a poor opinion of Philippe going into it, though. Great, but why? I don't know. I don't know. Knowing what I know about the future, I don't know. Um, unless it's just to build suspense. Because they do. And, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later. But as they're walking into the the castle Mm -hmm. the house whatever it is like the chateau suddenly dark the music is super fucking ominous Mm -hmm. and all they're doing is walking through the hallway to philippe's office and they have like dialed the suspense up to 15 you know on that note i'm just gonna say the music this season so good like it there are scenes to come even where the music just fucking makes them oh so good anyways Mm -hmm. carry on yep all right but before we get to sator yes um, we have Matthew and Diana in bed and somehow after all of the stuff that we just went through, it's a miserable journey. Diana has passed out and fallen off her horse. It's rainy. It's cold. She decides that now is a great time to try and have sex with Matthew. Hey, when you're horny, you're horny. But Matthew says no. So we talked about this last season, I think in our spoiler section of episode mm, eight, seven, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. um, where they have some alone time in Madison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we talked about how if you hadn't read the books, you would assume that they had sex there. Yeah. I forgot that they hadn't until we got to Sator and yeah. Philippe calls them on it. Like, even with this scene, it didn't remind me. I was just like, why oh. is Matthew saying no? So this is like the first notion that we get in the show that they have not had sex. And mm. I, it just seems... Like, I get that they did have to let people know that, but it 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 feels like, why hasn't this come up before? 
Mm-hmm. You know, because we've definitely had some sexy scenes. Yeah, and this is you know primarily a romance show, so you'd think it would be kind of part of the plot that Matthew keeps saying no, but we yeah. only see him say no this one time, and then mm-hmm. I guess we just assume. Yeah, because previously, like last season, he didn't say no. They still did things. Well, I think Matthew was 100% down for doing some stuff right there. But once he said no to sex, Diana was like, all right, I'm out. Good night. Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. And I 100% do not blame her for that. Yeah, because after he said not yet, he was still going in and she was Mm -hmm. she just like turned over. Yeah. But the next morning, he does give her a pretty great apology. Yeah, (laughs) I love how she I mean, hugs the pants to her as though they are the most beautiful thing in the world. Right? Yeah. She wakes up to find a flower. Okay, it's a weed, not a flower, but it's it's something. It's pretty. And pants. <laughs> and she's so excited about the dang pants, and I don't blame her. And then, like, when she comes out of the tent and, like, adjusting them, and we only actually see the back of Pierre's head, but because of Diana's reaction, you can fully imagine the look on his face. Like, until I watched it to take my notes, I honestly thought we saw the look on his face. Right? <laughs> And she's just like, do you have something to say to me right now? And he's like, nope, nope, not a thing. And then when Pierce says goodbye here, I was like, oh, I suddenly love you. I don't know why. You're almost a nothing character, but I really liked Mm -hmm. the scene with you. And you seem kind of cool now. Yeah. You can tell that he really does love Matthew and that Diana has also grown on him. Yeah. You know, and he wants to be there for them and do what's best for them. And for that reason, and that reason alone, I like him. Yeah, he, he's good. And I like the actor, too. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we didn't look up anybody's names. I, we never do. Yeah. Why Why are we podcasters when we don't do our homework? <laughs> I mean, it's our show. It can be whatever we want. <laughs> we can make up his real name. Uh, let's not go that far, actually. That seems stressful. Uh, Milo Toomey. Milo. That's his name. Milo Toomey. He, does, he looks like a Pierre, not a Milo. He does look like a Pierre. It's interesting. Uh, so then just as they're approaching Scepter, Diana and Matthew have a conversation about all the people Matthew has lost over his very long life. Mm-hmm. And I did like that conversation and about how seeing Philippe again is not going to be, you know, how it might be something you say you would want, but actually probably a bad plan. Yeah. I can't imagine being in Matthew's position right now like having dealt with the very very traumatic death of a parent and then putting yourself in a situation where you see that parent again yeah I can't can't imagine me neither but then we arrive and there is this little bit where I think Matthew has to give up all his weapons before they go in and I Mm -hmm. thought that was kind of funny yeah they Patted them down, and I think he took away all his weapons. And Diana had to put her skirt back on, didn't she? She has, like, a little half skirt on. I don't know. Because you can still, like, see her pants. But she's got, okay. like, a poof. Yeah, I was – I couldn't tell. Like, is that just her cape? Because when she walked away from the front, it looked like her skirt was there again. And I was trying to figure out how much of this was, like, just propriety because she's meeting Philippe. Like, did she have to do that? Or was it just dark and I – I'm not sure what I was seeing on the screen. Now I have doubts. I feel like maybe she just put on one layer of skirt instead of all skirt. I don't know. Mm. Because I feel like you could still see the pants, but she had more than just her cloak. Right. But now I have doubt. Yeah. Well, dear listener, if you happen to have noticed, please let us know. So we have the moment, the moment that we have been waiting for. Uh, 
um, we have this long, ominous walk through the dark halls of Sator, and then we meet Philippe. Were you suitably impressed? I don't think I was. Hmm. I, I honestly, I don't think I was. Was I? Were you? I, I really like James Purfoy as an actor. I think he has. I. Hmm? Go ahead. I think he has a really good presence here, and mm-hmm. I think. I think Philippe is a really difficult character to nail because he's kind of he's supposed to be, you know, three thousand over three thousand years old, this larger than life, basically like a king without being a king, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think he does the best that he can. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. And I think overall, I think he does nail it. It's just our first introduction to him, you know, all he he calls Matthew in. Um, so he says Matthew's name. In the French way that he says it, Mathieu? No, he says Mathieu. I've lost it. Yeah, like it's it's weird and it's not a way that I've heard it said before. So he does that. He just says his name and then they walk in and before he turns around, he just says, explain yourself. And I think that's the moment that I'm not impressed with. Like I expected something different. It makes sense in the grand scheme of things when you think about what's happening from Philippe's perspective. Like, for Matthew and Diana, it's this big, grand thing that they've been anticipating. And so we've been anticipating along with them, mm-hmm. right? From Philippe's perspective, he doesn't know yet that this isn't his Matthew. So he's still thinking, this is his Matthew from three weeks ago, who's supposed to be in Scotland, suddenly has which? What is going on? So it's not this big, grand, powerful, like, expected thing and so it I get it but because I'm with Diana and Matthew with this bated breath like what's gonna happen when we meet him to not get something that matches that fell flat Hmm. but I totally get it and I totally understand and then as we kept going through the conversation with him and through the rest of the conversations that we have like I think James Purefoy absolutely nails it because he he's not surprised by anything he just accepts everything as it is because like he tells diana he's seen everything there is nothing new to him yeah and he just handles everything very matter-of-factly and i think that's exactly what philippe would do i i do think that as soon as they walked in he knew that they were from the Mm -hmm. future i will say that because in the book he talks about being able to smell them or he could just tell that matthew was older yeah yeah um, but And he absolutely wasn't surprised at all as soon as, like, something happens to Diana in this scene, and she's just, like, out of the gate antagonistic. And Philippe gives it right back to her. Yeah. And he's not surprised by anything, and he immediately understands that if Diana's a time walker, this isn't his Matthew, and understands that this is why Andrew Hubbard says he's a changed man. And, like, Diana's clearly not afraid of Philippe because... You know, even after all of the warnings, she's just like standing up to him. And she's like, all you need to know is that I love Matthew and Matthew loves me. And then Philippe decides to be a dick. (laughs) Well, yeah. One thing before we get to that, that I do love is how everybody was warning her to not hide the truth. And she took that quite literally because Matthew is Mm -hmm. just standing there like, maybe don't say anything. And Diana's like, here is all the information I can possibly give you. Right. We're from the future. I'm a weaver. Blah, blah, blah. I love Matthew. All these things. Just like word vomiting, which I love. And then. Yeah. Um, I do. So I mentioned before that when Matthew hears about Diana being a weaver, he's like, I've never heard of this. And Matthew's 1500 years old. But then Philippe is, of course. Yeah. So what? Like, he's just not impressed at all. He's like, yes, you're a weaver. I've seen many of you. And talking about how rare they are 
it's it's just interesting that he's not even impressed. Mm-hmm. And Diana drops the knowledge, intending it to be impressive. Yeah. Right. She's like, I'm not just a witch. And then, like, when that's not impressive, she's like, well, I do know things you don't know because I'm from the future, bitch. Right? <laughs> she's totally trying to one-up Philippe here and prove that she's not scared of him. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice, but actually not that surprising at all. No, I like given it Given the Diana that we know. And then when he does talk about how, you know, or... shoot what was it they're talking about how they had to come back in time because there was danger i forget the exact conversation but anyways eventually philippe says you are a weaver you have great power so i like that he's not impressed but he is still respectful of how much power she has Mm -hmm. it's a good bit and then philippe tells us all that you guys are not mated because you haven't had sex yet and diana is completely floored by this bit of information yeah and you can like see matthew kind of begging philippe not to do this yeah and philippe don't care so i mean i think rightfully so diana is pissed like she holds it in like you can tell she's mad but she holds it in until they get to the room Mm -hmm. and then she just like whirls around and lays into him for lying and he keeps insisting he hasn't lied to her but he has like even later you know he tells Philippe that he hasn't lied, and Philippe says you it's a lie of omission. Yeah. But I think it's more than that, because he has flat out told her that they're mated. And Philippe is saying, if you haven't consummated it, you're not actually mated. And so that feels like a lie. I guess, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Just sometimes when people tell lies like that, they convince themselves that they're not lies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure from Matthew's point of view, he was like, he genuinely believed that they were mated, you know, because from what we get from the story, and obviously we don't like really deep dive into vampire matings, not even in the book, but like he knows that she is his mate and he accepts that and is good with that, even if they haven't fully yeah. finished. I guess mentally I it's a commitment that he's made. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference. Like he's committed to this as far as he's concerned, she is his mate, even if they haven't made it physically so. Yeah. And again, and I do think, I think he was lying to himself about that mm. also. But we're going to get more into that next episode, so. So Diana kicks Matthew out, like kind of physically uses her power to push him out of the door, which I think is great. I will say Matthew takes the argument a little too far when he says that she should bet his father, and that's what puts Diana over the edge. And you could see it on his face as soon as he said it. He was like, oh, no, that was not the thing to say. (laughs) It was pretty good. How do we feel about Diana slapping him? I don't know. I'm cool with it. They're not human. Oh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But it may not be appropriate in the world to do such a thing, but in a fictional story, when he just said, why don't you bet him, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. So, yeah, Matthew goes back to Philippe's office to yell at Philippe. They argue. Philippe is not really having it. He's not accepting any blame for what has happened. It's all Matthew. But he instantly turns into this, like, doting father he knows matthew hasn't fed and i think is kind of treating matthew as if he's hangry yeah (laughs) i do love matthew's line when he says are you actually asking me if i'm eating enough oh it was so good and then philippe says something about am i not allowed to show concern for my son and a matthew good's face right there Mm -hmm. oh man the anger and the heartbreak and then oh it's so good yeah, and it's instantly enough for Philippe to recognize that there's something wrong yeah. in the future between them. He doesn't know that he's dead in the future. He just thinks that they've had some kind of fight. There's tension. And he asks Matthew, are you holding something that I haven't even done yet against me? And then 
you know, we cut to the next morning. It's it's a good scene between the two of them. And yeah. I'm looking forward to more scenes between Matthew and Philippe because they have some great on-screen chemistry with each other. I'm sorry. Just double-checking here. Have you not yet watched episode six? No. How did you? <laughs> That's insanity. Okay. <laughs> but yes, I think uh, Matthew and, and Philippe have great on-screen chemistry with each other. Yes. They, they play off of each other really well, the emotion and the familial care that they have mm-hmm. is there. Like, you can see it. And I don't know. I just, I, I want to see more of them on screen together. Uh, there are scenes when they're talking that, like, Matthew sounds like a petulant teenager. And he's 1,500 mm-hmm. years old, you know, but I still buy it because he was forced to go home. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. The next morning, we get like a shot of Septur as as Matthew is getting on his horse to go hunting, and I mm-hmm. do love the subtle changes to the to the chateau that they've done for modern day, because there's people everywhere, there's smoke coming out of chimneys, and it it does look and feel so very different when it's just Isabeau and Mart there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not a cold house; it's a community. Yeah, like in the past, it was actively a community, and I do enjoy that very much. And um, we also get another bit of Diana not wanting to get up. That's a theme in this episode, yeah. people not liking mornings. Mornings are most objectionable. <laughs> but she says, no, I'm not ready. I'm like, I feel that, Diana. Jeez. Yep. But the servant is just like, fine, I'll just stand here and wait. And so Diana gets up anyway. I feel for that maid. Right? She was just like, uh, just I'll just wait, I guess. She I think she's there. like, I answered to Philippe, not you. And yeah. he told me to be here. So this is where I'm going to stay. That actress is great. We get like two seconds of her and I'm already, I just love her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Matthew's already gone out to hunt. Diana wakes up. Philippe is waiting for her downstairs to give her the keys to Sator. I love how in this scene, Philippe and Diana are being so very civil to each other, but also like, they really don't want to. Yeah, they don't like each other. There's definitely some fire in their voices when they talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But to Philippe's point, he is making an effort by giving her the keys. Like, at first, Diana takes it, I think, as an insult. Like, you think I'm just here to be a domestic housewife, and I'm not going to be here for that. And he's like, no, this is me trying to respect you as the highest-ranking woman in the house. Yeah. And I will say that the conversation goes eh, not well, I suppose, until the end when Diana asks about the books. And then mm-hmm. they do kind of have a genuine connection there. Yes. When he says something like, you know, no trouble ever came from reading a book. She was like, oh, you'd be surprised. Right. I love that he says we don't lock books up in this house. Yeah. And I think that's immediately when, when Diana perks up. So that's that's a nice they, – they have something in common there, yeah. I think, about the love of books. So he takes her to the library. He leaves her to read. I do like that they have exactly one shelf of books. Which Is that it? I don't see any other shelves. Huh. Like, I think that was just... I need to re-watch that scene then, because I... Maybe my brain was just inserting things in, because they called it a library, and I was thinking, it's going to be a room of books. No, but just that one shelf. I, huh. I mean, I'm sure there's books other places in the castle, but he just brought her to this one shelf. Okay. Then we get a quick shot of Matthew in the forest, smiling for the first time in what seems like forever. Mm -hmm. I like the outfit he has on here. It's brown, and we so very seldom see him in anything other than black or dark gray. Is it brown? I thought it was black. Huh. 
I am so not observant in this episode. What is going on with me? Now you have me doubting myself, but I feel like it was brown. Because he was no, out. I absolutely trust you. I I didn't notice. Okay, and so I think because I didn't notice, I assumed it was black. Great, and it's not leather, which I mean is rare for him this season. Mm-hmm. But he also doesn't have a cape on, which oh, is sad. Sad. And then we come to the only scene that actually matters in this episode: <laughs> <laughs> the creepy ass witch. Creepy ass uh, male witch dude arrives at Sator to see Philippe, and. While he's talking to Philippe, you know, Philippe makes another offhand comment about you're lucky my wife's not at home or you would have a very different reception. Mm -hmm. Once again, alluding to Isabeau hunting witches. Diane is reading in her room and all of a sudden she like looks up as if she senses something. She runs over to her things and pulls out a ring. I can only assume it's Isabeau's ring. It is, but I'm like, why did she take it off in the first place? I, well, I'm wondering if she took it off because she didn't want Philippe to see it. Because why would she have Isabeau's ring when she's never met Isabeau? But I don't understand why. Like, it feels like she's putting it on for protection. Like, she knows she needs it. Because as soon as she puts it on, she runs back to the bed because she hears them coming. And she doesn't want to look like she was not just sitting there reading. It's like this whole scene starts out weird. Yeah. I So, I mean, the... The actual answer to this is they wanted to remind the audience about the ring. Oh, okay. <laughs> right? Like, obviously. Because I guess the previous on wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe when they filmed the episode, they didn't know there was going to be a previous on. But the ring doesn't matter in this scene unless it's going to matter in the beginning of episode it's six. Gonna which is going to matter next pick episode, up yes. from this scene. Okay, okay. What you have to do is imagine episodes five and six as one episode, like a part one and a part two. <laughs> ah, Okay, so I have failed our listeners by not yet watching episode six. Well, That's what I'm hearing. No, well, it's interesting to hear you talk about it from that point of view because, like, yeah, anybody watching that would be like, what the fuck was up with this scene? Mm-hmm. Why did she? Yeah, especially when it's dropping week by week for some people. Yeah. So the only thing I can think is that maybe she took the ring off while they were on their journey because she didn't want to lose it. And then mm-hmm. she remembered it and put it back on. Hmm. Okay. That's not how the scene reads, though. No, it's the not scene at all. reads as if she's putting it on for protection of some sort. Or like she gets up to she she's like something's happening. I have to get the ring, and then she runs back and picks up the book really quick. Like she's gonna keep reading. Like she hasn't moved. And then Philippe and the switch walk in. So it's it's just odd. It it is very out of place, and I I don't I wish they'd sort of had her put the like I get that they wanted her to put the ring on. After she had that conversation with Philippe, because they didn't want her to have it on there. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make any sense for it to be where it is. I don't, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Anyway, it, it, it is a very strange scene, but it's there because they wanted to remind the audience that Diana has this ring from Isabel. Okay. All right. Now that I'm, okay, now that we're talking through this, I can kind of see where it's going in the next episode. Yeah. And like, why? Because clearly in the scene, Philippe does not trust diana yet yeah and um that is leading up to some things that are going to happen and he just lets this witch come in who has claimed that diana has summoned him Mm -hmm. this witch essentially attacks diana like does the thing to her head to like read her and like i guess it's similar to what either satu or peter knox did to her in the first season yeah and you see the glowy thing and it hurts 
very painful. And then my only note on this scene was Diana does a murder. <laughs> Diana does a murder. Yeah. Philippe just stands there and watches this witch hurt Diana. Um, for some reason, he told the witch that Diana has no memories of her past. Mm-hmm. Is that something that Philippe is supposed to believe or is that something that we No, no, no. Seen? That's just what he told him. That's just what he told him. Yeah. Okay. No. I feel like Philippe is, I mean. So this scene reads like a couple of different ways. It kind of feels like Philippe has called this witch to test Diana because he doesn't trust Diana. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the whole scene where the witch arrives and Philippe doesn't know who he is. And so it's, it's odd. I think the problem with that is they are adapting this scene from the book and keeping some things that made sense in the book in a way that they just don't make sense in the show because of how they changed right. things around. Mm-hmm. So Philippe just stands there and watches this witch hurt Diana, essentially. I will say James Purfoy does some good acting in this scene because he is just watching it happen. And we're going to talk about that next episode. But you can see on his face that he's like, mm, um, <laughs> this sucks. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think this is what he expected to happen, but he doesn't want to interfere. Yeah. You, you can see the guilt on his face. And um, he says to Diana, I'm not going to interfere with witches business like when she questions why he just let this witch come in yeah um and so the witch starts digging into diana's memories it's very painful he sees that she's been fed on that she's forced herself to feed like she cut her wrist to feed matthew he calls her a traitor you know starts telling philippe you have a traitor here blah 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 she screams matthew just miraculously comes back just then and hears her scream runs in the room Philippe stops him, and Diana does a murder by magically <laughs> willing Matthew's dagger to her, and she plunges it into the witch's heart. Yep. And it's just all, I said no. Which is almost what she said when she sort of shoved Peter Knox out of her head in season one. I think her line mm-hmm. there is, oh no, she just says, get out of my head. I thought get, she yeah. said, I said, get out of my head. But no. Anyways. Forget me. But the 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 inflection is very similar. Her yeah, voice, yeah, yeah. the the power that she has given herself in that moment, because she has stopped it and she has taken control of the situation. I think that's great. But then the episodes in the episode ends with just Diana standing there with the blood dripping off the knife. Yes. And we get nothing else from Philippe or Matthew. It's just Diana did a murder. I like your note there. <laughs> So I am assuming then that the next episode is going to pick up right there. Pretty much, yes. And and we will get to see the aftermath of what happens there. Matthew probably going after Philippe for letting it happen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and assume now that Philippe is going to see the ring and understand that Isabeau accepted Diana. And that's going to go a long way to make him accept her. It's almost like you've read the book. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> But it makes sense now that we talked through her putting the ring on and, like, why it might be there. So so on this week's Next Week On, we get the song that we get this week is Me and the Devil, as performed by Soap and Skin. The original version by Robert Johnson, like, you could not think of two, diff- two more different songs. They, they don't – one is, like, a blues song from the 1930s, and then the other one is the one that plays in this episode. It's oh, wild wow. to listen to them next to each other. Interesting. But – on that note, let us all just say that Farron Blackburn, he of the best name ever, has made my job easier by making it unnecessary. 
this task that I <laughs> appointed to myself of finding the songs and naming the songs. He released on Twitter the name and artist of all the songs. Yep, he did. And, but he released it, and so now, like, because we record early, our previous episodes where I can't find the songs are going to sound stupid, but whatever. Anyways, they're on Twitter, and I've uh, made a playlist with them all on Spotify, and you can find it there. And I assume you've tweeted this playlist for yes, folks. Yes, yes, I have. Okay. Um, and also, apparently, there was a song in the first episode that I completely missed, and so I, like, failed at the task that I appointed myself which is just a really good sum up of my life right there. <laughs> well, that's that is utterly depressing and I am not going to let you speak that into the universe. Take it back. Do you mean literally cut that out or No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> that's that's all. Good good song this week though. I really like it. They're all good. Like whoever's doing the, the musical editing, like choosing the songs mm-hmm. and it, they're perfect. Like it's it's interesting because usually whenever you watch like a historical period piece, mm-hmm. you don't expect to hear modern songs. And when you do, because they're so anachronous, it just seems weird. Mm-hmm. But for Discovery of Witches, it's not. It fits in so well. And I love it. See, again, next next episode, I think there's one that I feel doesn't fit. Mm, okay. But well, we'll talk about that next week. We'll, so we'll see. Um, okay. All right. So... Okay, so that is it for this episode. I think moving forward, we're going to talk about some spoilers and some future episodes in the book. So if you have not read the book or watched any further, probably want to stop now and we will see you next week. Otherwise, come and join us for this conversation. So I originally didn't really have any spoilers this week because everything that I would want to talk about, we were going to get into next episode, mm-hmm. as I think we've said a lot during this episode. Um, right. But when you brought up why in the previous Leon they mentioned the blood rage thing, it's because that's why Matthew is saying no to sex. And they just want you to have that in mind for the next, for what's going on there. Oh, so do they specifically call that out in the next episode? Okay. Yeah. That's like why he hasn't consummated their mating or whatever, because he has the blood rage and he's just like, "Uh, I think that'll make things worse and blah, 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 blah. Does Diana know about blood rage? Not yet. Okay. Next episode. There's a lot of shit happening in the next episode. Yeah. I I think episode six is my favorite of the season. Okay. I think episode five is my least favorite of the season so far. Oh, even more than episode three? Episode yeah. four? Episode... Yeah. Episode four was, was previously my least favorite because I felt like nothing happened and they right. didn't need to devote an entire episode to it. I feel even more so about this episode. Mm. Um, it was just so slow and... There was just really, all we needed to do was meet Philippe and then have the scene, the end scene with the witch. Mm -hmm. Everything else could have been severely condensed and they didn't. So yeah, I think this is so far my least favorite. Interesting. I I do think it, episode five pretty much exists to set up episode six, which is very good. Yeah. So we'll see how I feel after, after next week's episode. Mm Mm-hmm. I might, I might take it back. I might not. Well, I, I don't think it'll make episode five suddenly be magically better. I just think that the nature of episode five is that it is setting up episode six. Yeah. So you had mentioned this a little bit in, in the episode, but how are you feeling about Louisa showing up here? Oh, fabulous. I, I hate, hate it in the book when it's just like, who is this? Oh, it's Louisa. Where did she come from? We don't know. And then she's gone. Yeah. Well, because in the book, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if I remember correctly, in the book, it's towards the end, 
Kit kidnaps Diana. And then once she's already at the location where they're going to try and kill her, Louisa shows up. Yes, and that, that's how it plays out in the show, too. But since we've already been introduced to Louisa being there, it doesn't feel like she comes out of fucking nowhere. Right. Okay. So I think I like it better, too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I'm, will we see more of Louisa before we get to that point? No, because there's no opportunity for it. Okay. Like, it's literally, they go to France, they go to Prague, and then the next episode that they're back in London, that's when that happens. Okay. So I'm assuming episode six is still in France, Mm -hmm. and then probably seven and eight are in Prague, and then nine and ten are back in London? Well, seven's in Prague. We're only in Prague for one episode. Seven is another, you're going to be so excited, mostly modern day episode. Uh, Well, I might be so excited if... If they do it well. I I do think seven is better than four. Okay. Okay. And it looked like from next week's, uh, the next on segment, we're going to have a little bit of the modern day in episode six as well. We're going to get them figuring out that if they look through the books to find clues that, are, I, are they going to do the thing where Philippe leaves notes for Isabeau yes. in the books? So I, I'm looking forward to that because that was one of my favorite beats in the book. Yeah. That... That scene is really good. All right. So it sounds like I'm really going to love episode six. Um, I know one of our, one of the other Discovery Witches podcasts, I think the All Souls podcast, um, asked people who'd seen the, the entire series what their favorite episode was. And like, no spoilers. They just wanted the number. Literally every response was six. Okay. It, including okay. my own. So Well, that's exciting. I am looking forward to next week. Yes. All right. So until next week, I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can give me a shout out at Mandy Kay. You can find me and all the other shows that I am on uh, on Twitter at Inferior Caitlin, and join us next week as we talk about episode six, where we get to Caitlin's most anticipated scene. And no, it's not the one you're thinking. Ooh. Until we meet again, remember that with every ending, there is a new beginning. Melancholy.